Whoso Diggeth a Pit by Vida Tyler Adams From Weird Tales, May 1924 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman Whoso Diggeth a Pit by Vida Tyler Adams He came from nowhere just dropped in one morning at the cookhouse during breakfast and asked for a job men were scarce during the first boom of the little oil town that is good men who knew oil drilling and tool sharpening and the construction of derricks for that reason matt wilson judged by knowledge first and character last so he hired baden who at once sat down with the men and ate ravenously as if famished he seemed a droll fellow and the men enjoyed his company except for one fact he never at any time looked any one of them straight and square in the eye through narrow lids his gaze shifted swiftly from a man's chin to his watch chain or to the location of his pockets it gave the men at first an uncanny feeling but later as they knew him better their confidence returned they jibed him about this habit finally but he only laughed so they labeled him shifty baden his past was a closed book once a man had questioned him too closely his hands were long and slender but they suddenly revealed hard knotted muscles which responded skillfully and brilliantly good fist work commented shorty mason shifty braden accepted the tribute graciously belittling his prowess modestly and thus he won shorty mason's heart other bouts were staged with shorty as manager and money flowed into shifty's pockets shifty's some little boxer commented shorty with pride yeah agreed indian boss don't like it though beats him too much can't work for a week forget him shifty said he's not paying us half what we're worth anyway a man doesn't get enough even to pay his losses nope indian agreed stirring the gravel with his foot shifty says men are scarce we should cash in on it he says news of the unrest drifted to matt wilson as he sat figuring ways and means with the big chief the swinging screen door opened letting in a dozen buzzing flies and red nelson we want more pay and time and a half for sundays he said bluntly eyeing matt wilson across the top of the battered office desk the heat was sweltering the flies buzzed maddeningly gosh matt the big chief exploded i thought you said you could handle the men better be tending your own end i'll figure out mine alone and he gathered up his figures and puffed out of the office matt wilson was bewildered why red he said have you forgotten i told you fellows if you'd stand by me until we got a goin i'd make it up to you i meant what i said red gazed at the dirt on the floor that was six months ago he said sheepishly we want more pay now carefully confidently 
Matt explained to him various data regarding waiting contracts, the outlay of money before income could be expected, anxious investors, the inability to meet more wages now. This work is under the American plan, Red, he reminded him. You agreed to that when you came to work. But I keep my promises. You will surely get time and a half as soon as we get on our feet. If you fellows strike now, you'll ruin us. There'll be no work at all then. Red turned upon him an ugly and sullen look. You refuse then? We haven't the money to swing it now, Red. Without another word, Red turned and left the office, banging the screen door violently behind him. Matt Wilson stared after him incredulously. Red Nelson, his best engine man, and his loyalty. Matt had never found occasion to question it. Scarcely had the door closed when another shadow darkened the opening, a large, abundant shadow, the jolly and motherly person of Widow Gates. But today no smile wreathed her usually tranquil visage. Rather, she trembled with wrath as she faced Matt Wilson. What sort of men are you hiring now, Matt Wilson? she exploded. Of all the low-down ornery he-snakes that I've ever saw, that there shifty Braden beats them all. If I could lay my hands on him, he'll cuss his birthday and wish he were a worm to crawl underground where he belongs. What do you mean, wishing him on us, as it trying to build up a peaceful, law-abiding town with morals? Haven't we done well by you? she demanded. Matt Wilson gazed at her, his mind a whirl. Sit down, Mrs. Gates, he said. She waved the proffered seat aside. Here I be standing this morning around the corner of the main bunkhouse, and there is Shifty talking to the kid. She was delivering the washing, seeing as it's Friday. What's your name? he asked. I'm the kid, she answers. I brung your washing. Oh ho, he says, and sizes her up and down. You do the washing. No, Mrs. Gates does, she said. I deliver for her. Get them, too. Then she shoves his parcel toward him. He takes it and says, thanks, and squeezes her hand right there before my very eyes, although he didn't see me. And the poor kid being, as you know, nobody home, she tapped her forehead significantly with her finger, she grins and looks up at him stupid-like and that vile snake runs his hand up and down her arm how's that he asked and she says tickles and giggles at him i couldn't stand it any longer so i came around the corner and gave him such a look that would freeze him to an ice cake were he not so hard boiled the widow panted for breath and i sends the kid home and he's found out she lives with me and he's come past so often it's made me nervous and the kid stays inside and sulks and won't help me except when i let her out so she can talk to him matt wilson passed his hand over his forehead troubles never come singly he cited that is not all mrs gates the men have planned to strike they want more money shifty must be back of it they were satisfied until he came he thought a moment. Tell Chris Younger I want to see him, he commanded. 
the widow waddled off excitedly chris younger came at once i want you to go out to the field and take baden's place and send him to me at once matt wilson's voice was hard baden was sullen i was just amusing the kid he offered as to the strike i have nothing to do with it if the men want to strike i can't help it matt wilson was furious it rather amused baden got any proof about the strike baden asked no you cur but i have about the kid and that's enough get your time and get out baden's eyes narrowed slowly he advanced toward matt he raised his right hand it was knotted into the famous fighting fist but matt was before him swiftly he opened a drawer and baden was staring into a wicked little contrivance of steel and pearl he turned and skulked out of the office like a beaten thing but once clear of the office and out of sight he turned nodded his fist and shook it maliciously toward the way he had come he was in an ugly frame of mind by nature underhanded he went about getting his revenge entirely under cover he found the kid delivering clothes as usual he had only a moment hello kid he greeted brightly the kid snickered hello yourself she responded say like to go for an automobile ride this afternoon he asked sure the kid's vacant eyes took on a happy expression all right that's fine now listen kid today there's going to be a fire in one of those oil tanks out there he waved toward the field of tanks below the lower derricks when the fire gets going good and everybody's gone to where it is i'll come to mrs gates place for you and we'll go for a ride baden turned to go now don't forget if you're not at mrs gates front gate waiting for me i won't take you remember when you see the smoke i'm coming for you a sharp whistle like a little boy calling his dog sounded from around the corner and baden struck off in the direction of the oil tanks carefully he skirted the derricks with their choking engines and labyrinth of crawling cables down the gentle slope he crept to where the great storage tanks lay blinking in the hot sun he chose the furthest tank it lay glimmering at him in the sun huge black with weather stains shimmering in the heat baden turned his eyes from the tank and carefully scanned the field around him five other tanks made up the field one fifty feet away the others more distant they reminded baden of big stone animals quiet peaceful waiting for his mischief there was no life about them not a human being was in sight deftly baden took out of his hip pocket a small cloth bag from under the rubber band around it he pulled out a yellow notebook and tore from between its covers a white square of paper quickly he filled the paper with the contents of the cloth bag next a match from his vest pocket another quick look around and he bent his head forward cupping his hands to his mouth and the cigarette was lighted with a life spring 
he made the first rung of the iron ladder that clung to the side of the tank he climbed rapidly he pressed more firmly between his lips the forbidden cigarette and bent further over the trap-door the better to examine the contents of the tank puffing rapidly the while that the cigarette might be well lighted before he dropped it in he balanced his body easily on the top rung of the ladder but it was slippery his foot slid he grasped the side of the tank wildly lost his hold and fell headlong into the reservoir the oil was black heavy and unrefined it received his body without sound and sucked it halfway to the bottom oil filled his ears his nose oozed between his parted lips covered his face his clothes and his shoes with slime now baden was young and full of strength and the love of life he fought his way valiantly to the top with the long measured strokes of a practiced swimmer he reached up a slimy hand to brush the oil from his eyes failing in this he shook his head vigorously and managed to open his eyes at last all was black around him accustomed to the glare of sunlight his eyes could not penetrate the thick gloom he turned his attention to his swimming stuff's easy to tread if only my shoes were off he muttered gradually his vision became clearer and he was able to discern the side of the tank he swam toward it the crude oil belabored the process and he spent his strength freely but at last he reached his goal the side of the tank rose above him smooth slimy bare of any handhold he looked above the trapdoor shone distant a square of light in a vast expanse of gloom and shadow unattainable mocking help 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 he cried his voice choked with oil echoed back feebly from the sides of the tank then it was that he looked around him his oil sodden eyes opened wide in terror god help me now he could not speak he could only breathe the words a hundred globlets of fire danced before him bouncing like rubber balls across the thick oil sputtering in one pool igniting others no steady conflagration burned due to the quality of the impurities in the oil the fire had not yet found constant feed the top of the oil was like a huge frying pan in which dozens of fiery balls spat and sputtered at each other to break out at last scattering flame in all directions they lighted up the interior of the tank in sulphuric colors blue and green and royal purple and the golden glow of lightning the little white tube of tobacco floated innocently near baden its fire spreading its mission fulfilled baden gasped help he cried frantically from between the thick oil smudged lips the cry was smothered gummed in his throat with oil baden made a superhuman effort and spat out the filth by this time his shoes were thoroughly saturated with oil and weighed heavily bearing him downward every movement of his legs cost him effort which he could ill spare 
His clothes, drenched with oil, were oppressive, clinging to his body like slimy hands, eager, waiting to pull him downward. He straggled against their deadliness. A ball of burning oil burst near him, spraying his face with liquid fire. It seared into the flesh. Automatically, unthinkingly, he dived back into the oil. He rose further away from the fire, and now he was continually on the move, dodging, ducking, a weary chase, with the fireballs constantly increasing in number. At length, a huge ball sprayed him from behind. It covered his matted hair with burning oil, and he sank below the surface, suffering excruciating agony. He rose, but now the fire was all about him. The entire surface of the oil was covered with liquid fire, but the color was changed. From the oil, the fire rose, dull red, to blacken into suffocating smoke. It filled the tank with deadly fumes. It sucked up the oxygen like a fiery dragon. Was no one coming to help? Baden gasped for breath choking on the oil blinded in the agony of fire and smoke he realized at last that his was not to be the victory the flames settled once more upon him there was no escaping them he saw nothing heard nothing felt only the torture the soul-racking pain his mind was strangely clear only a few more seconds to live dimly he realized it Hazily, he racked his wavering mind. The old, half-forgotten training served him not falsely. The Lord, his weary feet trod the oil slower and slower. Lord, have mercy. The thick black smoke settled down upon his head. His nostrils distended. His hands flew upward. Slowly, his body sank. On oh, my soul! The words were inaudible. The oil closed over him silently. A few slow, sluggish ripples marked his passage. From the little white wicker gate that marked the entrance to Mrs. Gates' front yard, the kid watched, impatiently, a huge black cloud of smoke rise from the distant trapdoor and spiral upward, and hang heavy, black, and foreboding above the big oil tank the end of whoso diggeth a pit by vita tyler adams